Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I want to start with something funny. I heard about this 92-year-old man. He wasn't feeling that well, so he went to the doctor. A few days later, the doctor saw him walking out in the park with this beautiful young lady by his side. He seemed as happy as can be. The doctor said, wow, you sure are feeling a lot better, aren't you? He said, yes, doctor, I just followed your orders. You said to me, get a hot mama and stay cheerful. The doctor said, I didn't say that at all. I told you that you have a heart murmur, so be careful. <laughs> I guess sometimes, sometimes, you know, being hard of hearing sometimes kind of helps, you know, like, whatever. Hey, it's good to be in the Kylo series, and, and within the Kylo series, which is Keep Your Love On, the whole church is going through the Kylo series, Keep Your Love On. I've heard a lot of testimonies of you guys, of what's been happening, of relationship, even healing, restoration, things like that. So I think it's absolutely amazing um, that we've seen this in our, in our church. And as part of this, I'm doing a little mini-series that I started last week um, about a culture of honor, and uh, do it this, last week, this week, and next week, um, which is very, very, very powerful. And um, I'll go a little bit for last week. Some of you were not there uh, last week. But the, the book of Romans, particularly the second book, a uh, second part of the book of Romans, uh, talks all about relationship. The first 11 books all talk about theology. Most epistles, the first part is always theology, who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us, who we become as a new creation, all this kind of stuff. And most, almost every other epistle, uh, the second part is always, and then in that light, how then shall we live? And it's all about relationships. And we saw here that in chapter 12, that it's all about relationship in the attitude of love, which is expressed particularly through honor. And we saw two things that are very, very important. I want to you to hear this because it even relates to what I just talked about before, about this whole thing of warfare. Is that the whole thing of first is that the currency of heaven is faith, but the core value of heaven is honor. Right? So the core value, the way we relate to each other is honor, but the, the, the core, the, the currency of heaven, how you work in, the, in, the, in heaven, in, in, in the kingdom, is faith. Faith activates stuff. Faith releases things. It, it activates the promises of God. You, you can't even get into the kingdom without faith. Faith is very powerful. Faith is actually substance. It's, it's, it's faith, is substance. Hebrew 11, all the, all the faith words. By faith, they took kingdom. By faith, by faith, by faith. It is by faith. And we need to learn to step up and to learn to actually live by faith and not by sight, which the Bible says anyway. But live by faith, which means that we have faith in the promises of God. We had faith in the things of God. We had faith in, in what we were singing before. To, to have see breakthrough in our lives, to see things change in our lives. When God does stuff, it is activated by faith. Faith is very powerful. So faith, we have to learn to do this in faith. You activate the things of God. But the way we live together is really through love. The basis is love and particularly through honor. And this beautiful scripture that we read last week, 12.10, Romans 12.10, Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. Honor is very, very powerful. Honor. It's how the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit live together. They live together in honor. Love expressed in eternal honor 
beautiful. Honor is the attitude that releases and sustains the kingdom of God. It is something that enables kingdom living in our lives. It enhances and protects our relationships. It empowers our relationship. And honor attracts heaven into our situation. It really is the glue of our relationships. Honor is very, very powerful. And what I like to say today, when honor is dishonored, mayhem happens, pain happens, dysfunction happens, things just start to get out of kilter when there is no honor. But when there's honor, relationships are healthy, they're thriving, they're doing very well in that way. And very quickly, normally I do in our weddings, I always say, you know, to love, to honor one another above yourself in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the wedding. We, uh, we always talk about, I'm devoted to you uh, no matter what. I honor you no matter what. And the reason why is because it is based on covenant. It is based on relationship. It's based on um, having done something together that is a commitment as a couple. We love, we honor no matter what. A while back, I was in, um, in relationship, I was in a meeting uh, regarding Pakeha Maori a reconciliation of the, of the journey. Of course, there's many different meetings going on, particularly the last 10 years. It's been really revved up because I know why, because um, we need to see honor expressed in this nation. And, and, and the break of honor was at the, at the core of, of the foundation of this nation, right? And that's why God has been emphasizing a lot of the reestablishment of honor. So I was at this meeting and to kind of journey and, and talk with leaders together what it would look like. And there's a lot of issues involved, but I saw that the core issue of this whole Maori Pakeha deal, even coming from the outside, I mean, I've been here for 31 years now, but even from Holland, where we don't have this, you know, it's biculturalism, is, is that it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. See, the main violation of the Maori Pakeha issue was a violation of honor. It was a violation of the treaty. The treaty was a, a, a document of, of honor. Of honor. Maori people are very honorable people. They're very loving people. And honor is very, very important. And so the, the treaty was not honored by the crown. And so that were big problems came because of that. Because distrust, pain, hurt became, was the result of this. It was meant to be a thing that we could work together as a bicultural nation. Love and honor and trust and, and have mutual benefits and all these beautiful people. But it was destroyed through greed and, through a, and, and a deep trust was broken. Now, the beautiful thing is that God is restoring this stuff. And the only way you restore this honor is by honor. Again. And to listen. Because one of the greatest things of honor is that you actually listen to what others have to say. Now, I'm still learning this. Catherine would verify in my life that I'm not a great listener. I know I have two ears and one mouth. But the thing is, though, I think I have two mouths and one ear. <laughs> that's, I'm just kind of a little bit like, you know, kind of blinded. But that's what I think. And it's not the reality, but it's just how I think. And so for me, I've got to watch what I say. But I have to learn to listen that I have actually two ears and one mouth. I need to know that I need to learn to listen. Right? And so I see a lot of things are happening in relationships, Mari Parker, a relationship to bring honor back into because honor will heal the relationship. Maori people are desiring healing, honor, respect, and to be restored into honor. And only, of course, God can really um, help and broker this thing. The love of God in our hearts together 
we can go on a journey. I just want to give it as an example how important this whole thing of honor is because honor is very life-giving. It is really the way we treat one another. Like I said last week, in the culture of honor, we, we honor people, we love people for who they are and don't uh, stumble over what they are not. It's so easy to stumble over each other's problems. We all have problems, and in a marriage, in a relationship, in a friendship, even in a boss-worker uh, relationship, it's often, you know, because in a relationship, you can always look at the bad things, look at the things that are hard, look at the things that are difficult. But a culture of honor, you actually look at the things that are working well and trust them that you can work through the things that are not working well, you know, and the attitudes that are not working well. So often we go on the other way around, and then we get aggro, we get disappointed, we get a grudge, we get all these kind of attitudes, and we can't climb into honor again. And it's really difficult then to live very well, because honor is very disarming. It's very powerful. Honor, very, very powerful. The focus in honor is the other person. We honor one another above ourselves. Isn't that beautiful? We honor somebody else above ourselves. doesn't mean we don't have honor. So you've got to make sure that you know that you have honor, you have value yourself. And because you have this, you can actually give it to somebody else. It's not the tall poppy thing. Hey, I've got to give you honor, but what about me? I'm not going to give you honor. What about me? No, it's because you are honored too. You are loved and valued by God in an amazing way. And because of that, you can actually give honor to other people. Even when they don't deserve it. Love your enemies. Man, it's hard. But how disempowering. It says you put coal on their heads. Remember this whole thing? It's so powerful when we start living in honor. We see this in Romans 12, 16, very much for our church. Look at this. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony. Come on. This is our verse, right, for our church, particularly through this term with Kylo. And be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. You have worth, but so does somebody else. And when we start honoring somebody else's worth, it's amazing what starts happening. If we start to dishonor, mayhem happens in and through our lives, right? It's beautiful. The focus is really the other person. So hard though, isn't it, for the focus to be the other person. Even in a marriage or other relationships, the focus is the other person. Your focus is to make the other person happy, if you like. The focus is the other person, to love, to listen, to care for somebody else. It's amazing. When you start honoring somebody else, you actually move away from selfishness. You, you actually move away from self-absorption. You actually move away from your own needs. You actually move away from sin, missing the mark. Sin is really selfishness. It's really missing the mark of perfect love. If you're always thinking about somebody else, then the focus will be the other person, which will be absolutely incredible. Honor releases heaven into your life, the blessing of God into your life, the principles of God into your life. You know, honor has great rewards. It really is. It's really powerful rewards of blessing and of healing. Last week I had a few things, and then we'll get into Romans 13. Honor a prophet. Welcome to prophet in Matthew 10. They get a prophet's reward. When you honor somebody else's gift, it will come back to you. Somebody, you draw on that gift. You draw on that stuff into your life. Ephesians 6, the whole thing of father and mother. I talked about it with Father's Day. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life in the earth. I so love our kids, Saskia and a whole... whole now, we, we, we are pretty fiery in our family because they're all 
strong heads, you know. <clears throat> I said on Friday night that Saskia has actually empathy, like Kathy, you were saying that, anyway, uh, that, that empathy is like one of your bottom ones, and, but she's one of the top ones in Kathy and Saskia's life. And so you're actually the most pastoral person in our family, you know. She's really run the church. She's very pastoral uh, in, her, in her thing. And, um, but I love how our kids, are, are, so we feel honor from our kids. We've, they still all live, I told you, they all live at home still, which is just ridiculous. But they're all still, I want to get them married. Can please somebody marry our kids? <laughs> Not yet, Wiley, but you're, you're coming. At least it's happening. Uh, but, but can please somebody do that? And little grandkids and things start happening because I'm so jealous of, of Gus and Debbie with this beautiful grandkids. All these photos that I see all the time with little grandkids. This irritate the heck out of me because not because for you, it's for me because I want to have grandkids too. But anyway, all good in time. But what I'm trying to say is that my kids just love, they love us. They honor us. They go on holiday with us every year. We go to Criteria every year and they always come. And we always play cards all together. See, it's not just because we've been amazing parents. It helps. It helps. I think we have been amazing parents. But the thing is, though, they are very honoring to us. Doesn't mean we agree. It's not about that, right? Doesn't mean we all understand eye to eye. Don't know about that either. But there is an honor. And I'll tell you, Saskia and our kids and whoever else here, they're watching online, whatever, Johnny, uh, David, Fabian, that you will be blessed. You are blessed in your life because you honor your, your, your parents. It's going to be a blessing. And everybody else, honor your parents. If they abused you, it's not about the abuse, not about agreeing there, it's not about that. It's about honor your parents. Without them, you wouldn't be here. And because God says so. Because God says so. Honor in finance, too. I love this Proverbs 3.10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first and best part of your income. Then your barns will be full and your vets will overflow with fresh wine. You can't outgive God. Honor God. Please honor God with your finance because blessings will be bestowed on your life and everybody around you. So just do it. Romans 13, let's stand together. I'd like to read this together. It's a very powerful scripture. Here Paul continues with the theme of generosity, of not too much generosity, more honor, generosity principle. Here we go. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that what which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do this so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and what you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. Agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. It's actually in the Bible. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. Everybody say, amen. <laughs> pay taxes. I was to pay taxes who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, 
than honor. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless your word to us that we may be enriched, that we will walk in truth, that you guide us in everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so here Paul talks and turns his honor and relationship to civil authorities, government and also councils. A very difficult context here for, for this particular context because here are Gentile Christians who live in this context of this Roman rule of Nero who actually feed Christians to the lions. So it's not very nice. But right here in this Romans, Paul says, hey, be subject to rule. Hey, obey and honor your civil authorities because God has instituted this for our good. Now, I'm sure they were scratching their heads a little bit uh, in those days. Now, I think it's very, very important because this can be quite political, right? That we have to make sure that it doesn't mean that God is responsible for putting everybody in office. They say he didn't put Hitler or Nero, all these guys in office. It's not about people. Paul's talking here about the institution of authority, institution of government. He's not talking about who is in government. And praise God that we can choose in this nation who we want to have in government, right? But it's not about this, good or bad, because all of them are good or bad. You know what I mean? It's really the institution of government of things. So I say to this, God put into place the institution of civil authority for public order. Without civil authority, there would be chaos. It would be anarchy, anarchy right? He puts it into place for law and order for our protection. The Bible says here it's God's servant. The government and the authorities are God's servant for our good. Now, we know that there's abuse of the people who are in office, but he's not talking about that, right? It's terrible things happen. Like Nero, they feed Christians to the lions. But even in this situation, it's true, you still have to honor what God has put into place with this relationship like this with civil authority. Honor local authority and law and order. It doesn't mean that we obey the things that the government puts into place. It's not about this. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing. It's not about this whole thing. It's about the institution. See, we are called to live for righteousness, right? We are called even to keep the government accountable. Or ex uh, righteousness exalts a nation, right? We see this here in, in, in Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness, moral and spiritual integrity and virtuous character exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And we see it around us that sin is a disgrace for many people. But don't forget that not everybody is living in righteousness. Not everybody has got God pulsating through their veins. The whole bunch of people don't know God. They just go by their whatever. And they actually still have a sinful nature. So what are they going to express? They're going to express sin. And we see, of course, this more and more and more and more as we've become quite a secular nation, that things start to de degrade. Things start to, particularly morality, things start to, everything goes with your PC. Why? There's no standard. Why should we say, you, you love that? Well, do that. You love that? Well, do that. Because there's no standard any longer. And that's, the, of course, the toughness what we live in right now as Christians quite tough to live in this standard and this government all these things are happening right now but we are still called called to live for righteousness right to fight for righteousness I mean the whole thing of the abortion issue right now we've got to fight for life in abortion we're saying we actually honor the unborn right yeah sure you honor 
the people who, 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 who have babies, I get that, the mothers and stuff. But the thing is, though, you, what about the babies? So there's a sense of we're fighting for the rights also of the unborn child. Right now in Hong Kong, Catherine and I couldn't even fly to Hong Kong because of the riots the other day, so we had to go fly to Singapore. The thing is, though, Hong Kong, what are they doing? They're fighting for freedom. It's not about they don't like government. Of course, government is instituted by God, but it's who in government is some of the things that they put in front that are not righteous. And they're not honoring life, honoring freedom. And so these guys have millions on the street to fight for life, fight for freedom. And that's fine. That is not rebellion. Because he said, he talks about this, don't rebel, don't be unruly, because it will backfire onto you. See, we're not talking about rebellion. Rebellion is a different spirit. Right? Different spirit. We want righteousness. We fight for righteousness. We don't rebel. Rebel is kind of a negative thing. It's rebellious. It's kind of Jezebel. It's like this thing that is like this bad attitude. You know? It's not like that. But yes, if we don't like things that are happening in our nation, come on, let's start fight for it. Let's do, do referendums. Let's do, uh, what are we doing for the abortion right now? Sign petitions and things. Let's do everything because often it's the, it's the quiet majority, right, who think these things. And, and we're quiet. Let's not be quiet. Let's stand up, right? Because sometimes the ruler has, even if they don't think it's right, but sometimes, hey, 50, 60% of the people think it's right. Maybe we're missing something or whatever. You don't know what can happen. We see throughout history people who stand up for righteousness and things start to change, right? If we dishonor and disobey authority, then we reap the consequences. I'm talking about the rule that is here right now. Catherine and I had a car accident um, on um, Thursday night. Now, we have had all our kids at Middleton Grains for 22 years. We drove this day, this trip every weekday. Never had an accident. 22 years. We're standing right now, Hensis Lane, to go into Blenheim Road at night, 7 o'clock at night, and suddenly this car comes around the corner, crashed straight into us. You know? It was terrible, because we have never had a beautiful car, Kathy's car, done, you know, I don't know if it's written off, probably not, but the thing is though, it's like amazing what happened around the corner, this girl says, oh, I don't, I don't know, she was driving and says, I don't know, I, I, I turned off, but I took a bit too far, you know, and yeah, I know, it's right there in my car, you know, <laughs> and then uh, the good thing is her parents was around the corner, and she was all shaking, she was quite young, I said, do you want us to go with you, and we went to a house, and it was, uh, I think, a Polynesian family, so I played the pastor card, because I know that often Polynesian people but they, they, they appreciate, you know, pastors and stuff like that. And they often have a Christian heritage. And so I said, hi, I'm Pastor Gideon. Oh, Pastor Gideon, you know. And it was really nice, you know. <laughs> and, so, and so we're Christians too, and we're Catholics and stuff. I said, beautiful, and lovely daughter. And because she was shaking, you know. And I said, uh, she, she's fine, we're fine. We've got insurance, you've got insurance. So just, just God bless you. And yeah, thank you, God bless you too. It was nice to go with her because it was really hard. But what I'm trying to say with this situation is that uh, she did not do something according to the rules of the land. See, dishonored, if you like, this thing. And mayhem. My car's broken, you know. Catherine got a bit of whiplash and stuff like that. It's not very nice. Last week I had a parking ticket. I know, even I got parking tickets. <laughs> I was going for Father's Day on the Monday, and I parked this car. I didn't know exactly. Nice big car park. And I didn't read all the signs, obviously. And I said, there's a nice car park here. And I see no, 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 uh, no machines. I thought... I'm just going to park here, you know. So I just parked there, and um, yeah, it's free. I thought, this is amazing, you know, Dutch, you know, it's free. It's good. So I thought, uh, you know. <laughs> so I went into this whole thing, and I got this bill, and this thing. And at the end, the kids said, Dad, there's a sign right there. It says private parking. 
It's a fine coming in. So again, I dishonored this, this sign. I didn't even see that sign. And I dishonored the sign, and I had to pay the price, you know, for this thing. In other words, obeying the law, obeying the authorities is good for us. They're put into place for a reason, and God wants us to honor that. It says in verse 6, pay your tax. See, God, the government uses our tax to look after us. They build roads, they do the education and universities, you know, social support. A lot, of, a lot of people here in this room are being paid by the government, paid by our taxes, you know. I mean, I get paid by your taxes, but you know what I mean? The thing is, though, I, you know, that's the way it is. We pay taxes, help for the social infrastructure, for ro roads, rubbish being picked up. All these things are good. So pay, I was talking to a business person the other day. He says, Gideon, I love paying taxes, and the more the better. I said, why? It's because the more tax I pay, the more money I've made. So I thought that's a good point, you know, like this, you know. Just pay your taxes. Tax help the government to run, you know, us and to serve us in the same way as the tithe runs the church and help us to serve you and to the community. We honor God who has instigated these things. Verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, or whatever other commandments there are, is summed up all in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, because love does not harm a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. The passion says this, love and value others in the same way you love and value yourself. See, love does not harm a neighbor. Harm a neighbor. So love fulfills the law. Love does not sin. Love does not transgress. Love does not hurt anybody. Jesus says, the new commandment I give you, love one another as I love you, so you must love one another. So God's love has been poured out into our hearts, and that love of God now empowers us to love, empowers us to live honorably. 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 Everybody say honorably. honorably. Oh, you guys are so good. That's amazing. <laughs> And focus on others like this. When we love and honor others, you don't want to steal from them. You don't want to take their husband. You don't want to murder them, right? That's what he's saying here. Honor your marriage and then you have no adultery. Honor your neighbor's stuff and there'll be no stealing. Honor your neighbor's life and you will not murder them. It's just the way it is. Honor is powerful. Philippians says this in 2-3 poem. Philippians, do not... Do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. I love it in the passion. Look at this. Be free from pride-filled opinions. Man, the opinions that we have, right? We're full of it, right? Particularly Dutch people. Look at myself, you know. Um, opinions. People sometimes think we're argumentative. It's, no, we just have opinions. We're just, we're just full of it. Full of opinions. And when you go to Holland, now Catherine starts, now I understand you a little bit, Gideon, because you, you just have all the opinions flying everywhere, but they love each other. It's just we have opinions, you know. They often say about the hand, I have the pinky, I know this, you know this, you know this, you know this, you know that. Together, we have the truth. You don't have the truth, I don't have the truth. Together, we have the truth. So that's why they love arguments. On TV, it's all these shows all talking to each other. The whole time, talk, 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 talk. We watch a nice movie here, watch the All Blacks, and it has some soccer there too. But it's just all talk fests. Because when you talk together, you come to the fulfillment and you come to the fullness of that truth. Serious, that's how they think. So it's not arguing. It's just opinion. <laughs> opinion. Opinion giving. 
and truth, truth seeking. Very loud. So please forgive us for the kind of attitude because it's really kind of ingrained in our psyche. Anyway, be free from prideful opinions. Man, I've got to learn this one. It's so hard for me. Uh, for they will not harm your cherished unity. See? Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourself. See, that's the beauty about this whole thing. It is really about an attitude we're talking about. It's an attitude towards the governing society. It's an attitude of honor. It's an attitude towards money. It's an attitude towards other people. It's an attitude towards all these things. It's an attitude. An attitude of love and honor. It's humility. And humility will always honor. But pride will always dishonor. Put somebody down. Hey, I'm better than you. Put down. But humility will come and will build up and will honor Honor, in that sense, will kill pride and superiority. It will destroy strife and elitism. And so Paul says, live in that light. Now live in that light. Look what he says now in the Passion, verse 11. To live like this is all the more urgent, for the time is running out, and you know it is a strategic hour in human history. Hey, he wrote this 2,000 years ago. I don't know about you, but this sounds like it was written yesterday. Right? Or today. To us right now. It's so urgent. Time is running out. It is for us to wake up. Tell your neighbor, wake up. Wake up. Wake up, wake up to this day. We can't be slumbering. We can't be sleeping as a church, as a giant anymore. We've got to wake up. For our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Night's darkness is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. What a beautiful writing. Isn't it? Incredible. This word of God, for goodness sake. Don't you love it? Amen. So, thank you at least one. So we must once for all strip away. Everybody say strip away. Strip away, Paul talks about here, that is done in the shadow of darkness. Look, guys, some of you are involved with this. Removing it like clothes. And once for all, we clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as a? Hey, warfare again. As a weapon, it's actually a weapon when we start to honor, when we start to clothe ourselves with righteousness, with Christ himself, we actually are a weapon. Wow, we must live honorably, surrounded by the light of this new day, not in darkness of drunkenness, debauchery, not in promiscuity of sensuality, not being argumentative of others. Instead, fully immerse yourself into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. What a powerful scripture as we look at the whole thing of keeping your love on and in our relationship. Verse 13, live honorably, surrounded by the light of a new day. You are a new creation. You have a new identity. You have been changed from the inside out. At the core of your being, love and honor was put. Right there. Right behind your belly button here. By the Holy Spirit. He's right there. If you're a Christian, right there. Full of honor, full of love, full of respect. So he's talking about, now put on this stuff as clothes, as a jacket. Put on this stuff. No longer live according to the flesh, but the newness of life. Verse 12. So we must once for all strip away what is done in darkness. And then we remove these clothes. And we clothe ourselves with Jesus. Come on, let's, let's do this. Let's, 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 in our minds, let's close ourselves with Jesus. Let's put on the jacket of Jesus. Just, 
I wear this beautiful jacket today in honor of Saskia, but it's really also in honor of Jesus. He's amazing. We honor Jesus. We put on this jacket and we live honorably in this life. Culture of honor is very, very powerful. I pray that we in this church will live in a culture of honor, of love and honor. I tell you, when we do, we will see a lot of healing. We will see a lot of restoration. We will see all kinds of stuff. The abundant life will flow into our lives because it's very, very powerful. It's not just a nice idea. It's actually God-ordained. It's the way God lives and the way we, he's called us to live with the focus the other person. It says, instead, verse 13, fully immerse yourself into Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Come on, let's totally immerse ourselves into Jesus. I have a picture of just kind of bathing in him, kind of being immersed. When you do immerse, you do baptism. You're kind of immersed in his life, immersed in his honor, his love. We just immerse ourselves. And you can do this yourself, you know. You can pray. You can read the word. You can put on worship music. You can immerse yourself in God. It's often when we stop to immerse ourselves in God that all these little things come up again. These kind of things that have not kind of been just nagging there in your mind, still there, you know, from the past, little reactions that we have and we kind of flare up. Somebody pushes your button and boom, here we go again. You know? But I tell you, when we stay with Jesus and we stay close with Jesus and we immerse ourselves in Jesus and we all have to do it. That's why I have communion every morning. Every day I said, Jesus, I immerse myself in you. I honor you. I worship you. Because when you do, you put Jesus first, things just change. Your attitude changes. You can actually cope with so much more. You acknowledge that you are a son of the living God. You actually acknowledge that you are a new creation. You acknowledge you are a daughter, that you live in this way, that you live with honor and with love, with a sound mind. It's powerful, isn't it? So today we're coming to the I love communion, as I know, every day, uh, every morning. But the thing is, though, and on Sunday, do it twice or three times. We come to the table of honor. It's the most beautiful table. The table of honor, where honor was taken away, but also where honor was granted. I read the scripture to you. Have the same attitude that Jesus had. Although he was the form of God and equal with God, he did not take advantage of this equality instead he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant by becoming like other humans by having a human appearance he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross look at this this is why God has given him an exceptional honor the name honored above every other name so that at the name of Jesus everyone in heaven on earth and in the world below will need in the world below too. It's cool, isn't it? And confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Isn't it amazing? Jesus, the Son of God, who was eternally righteous, He was the Word made flesh, lived in complete perfect honor and love throughout the aeons, the ages. That He would come to earth, that He would lay down His honor. Not only that, but he would actually go towards a cross. But before he went to a cross, he was beaten and slashed and spit on. So dishonored. 
King of glory, dishonored. So that we could come into a place of honor again. The honor that we lost in the Garden of Eden to be people of honor again. Jesus is our example. And we take it. We, we, we eat Him. We, we drink Him. We celebrate Him. It's amazing that He's brought us into the Trinity, into this beautiful honor, the, the Pentecostal, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, through Christ, we brought into, and now we are seated with Him in heavenly places. It is so powerful. And this is why and how we get empowered to be honorable people, to be loving people, to be respectful people. He gives us the power. We see the bread which represents His body that was broken for us. And we eat and we participate and we partake of His glory, partake of His life and things start to happen in our lives. And we have the cup, the cup of honor. Come on, the cup of honor. Through the honor, through His blood, laying down His life, His blood flows from His side straight into your heart. Come on. This is awesome. And so even now as we take communion, we're going to let Him just minister to us as we partake. Life comes into our hearts. There's not just a memory. There's not, there's, not, there's not a memorial service right now. Jesus, thank you for 2,000 years ago we did this thing. Bless you. Thank you again. You're awesome. No, 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 no. Every time we take it, it's substance. Every time something happens, because it's spirit, it's life, it's substance. There's something there that goes into your life. So take it by faith. Paul text, acknowledge communion. Acknowledge it and it will impact your life as you take it.